welcome to another NL full-time podcast. It's almost exclusively National League that we're talking about this week. But there's just one game that wasn't National League, and it's the one that's going to take the headlines. A quite magnificent achievement from National League South, Maidstone United, who did the unthinkable. They didn't go to Ipswich and Portman Road and get a draw and a replay. They went and beat them. Um, absolutely phenomenal scenes. Um, I listened to the first 35 minutes of it and Ipswich absolutely pounded them. Um, four good saves from Coverland. Um, they hit the post a couple of times and you thought, fair play to Maidstone. They're hanging in there and hopefully they take it a long way. To reflect on a fantastic win, we've got uh, a couple of guests here at the minute. We'll be joined by a third one shortly. But uh, regular on the show, clocking up his fourth appearance on the trot, uh, off the line blogs, Joe Pope. Yeah, good evening, Rob, and thanks for having me. And we've got a special guest this week. Um, To be fair, discussions, negotiations have been going on throughout the season about getting him on at some point. And I did promise him I'd pull him on after a win, and thankfully you got one yesterday. Uh, Dawkins assistant manager, uh, chief coach, might even be the bottle washer. We don't know, but Ross McNeely, welcome. Even Rob, and how you enjoy your ride? Yeah, <laughs> good to have you, Ross, with us. Seriously, we're going to get back initially to talk about Maidstone, and then we'll come on a little bit more to how things are going at Dorking Wanderers. Um, so you'd have been preparing yesterday Ross for your game wouldn't you so I don't, I don't there wouldn't have been a point when you'd have caught any of the Maidstone game with that no I did I so we we knew like sort of we were following it a little bit what was going on in the background when we were sort of warming up and and whatnot so we had a bit of an eye on it and, and we knew they went one up and then it it went it went one one and then we, we did sort of know the final score we're like oh well, unbelievable isn't it and you see the sort of I'm I'm seeing a replay but I've seen the stats after where it's like 30 what 38 shots or something and then uh, they had two shots on two shots and two on target. Is that right? Like so, I think like twenty odd percent possession. But yeah, fair fair play, unbelievable, really, like unbelievable. And I think George Ellacobi prepared his team. It was going to be like that. He didn't go there with some brave plan to take yeah. it to them and try and outscore them. Ipswich, in fairness, made ten, ten changes for the game, but they're a big, well placed Championship club, and obviously the strength in and around the fringes of their squad. Um, should have been more than enough to deal with Maidstone, who become the first team from uh, step two of non-league or step six of English football to beat a side uh, from the second tier since 1978. Uh, anybody know who the team was that did it then? Well, if Dickie was with us, he probably would. It was Blythe Spartans from the National League North. Joe, you've kept your powder dry to this point. Just uh, pick up a little bit of detail on the game, obviously, how Maidstone got it done and your thoughts. Yeah, um, a really good win for Maidstone. Um, and I think George Ellicobe, obviously ex-defender, one thing that he can get his side to do is grind out a result and be good defensively, um, which has taken me a little bit by surprise, I must admit. I thought they were going to be some swashbuckling, really good attacking side this season with the signings they made. But they managed to hold out uh, two goals yesterday, a uh, goal in either half, Reynolds with the opener, uh, and then a goal from Sam Korn again. He scored the winner against Stevenage in the last round. Tommy Ento got the goal in between those. 
Um, and yeah, a word for Kovalan. Um, really pleased to see him uh, do so well, obviously, as an ex-Torquay player. Um, and it's credit to Ella Kobe and the job that he's done because Kovalan has always been a good goalkeeper. But the last couple of years, he's been a little bit erratic. And I think Ella Kobe's perhaps said, you know, just do what you're good at and be a good goalkeeper. And he's actually really starting to show that now. Yeah, great stuff. So I saw that it had gone level. And I thought, well, here we go. How many will Ipswich go on and win by? But it was swiftly followed by another notification to say that Sam Corn had scored again. And they hung on. And uh, I've yet to watch the full highlights of it, but I've seen some clips on, on social media. Um, Ross, just tell us how amazing that is for a National League South side to still be in the FA Cup at this stage and to have gone away to a side like Ipswich and pulled off a win. Like I said, I, I said it was unbelievable. For it. it's, it's almost like um, it's like unthinkable. Really. Unthink you can't you can't even sort of fathom it really. And I mean the National League South side as well. So not even obviously not even the National League side, but like the 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 money they're going to get and and the sort of media and attention they're going to get and Ghana from that to move forward is 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 going to put them in a really good position to either get promoted this season or next season. I, I'm sure I'm sure it will. But like yeah, it's un- I, unbel- unthinkable really because it is it is hard. Like I know it sounds tough, but obviously we were we went out to Horsham right at the beginning, and you get all the teams in and around there. Beloya really, really tough to play against to go where, and for them to go where sides like Ipswich and, and obviously play Stevenage and, and whatnot is is yeah fair play, like really good. He's, he seems to have really sort of grown into management and matured as a manager. I know it was tough last season for him. Like he went in obviously and. In, in, they they were really struggling and they were almost relegated when he went in and it was sort of it was the sort of the, the whipping boys a little bit really and and yeah I mean to get them to where he's got to and to achieve like that in the FA Cup is is pretty much every sort of national league managers and coaches dream to sort of have that run so yeah really fair play to him like good luck to him I know, yeah, I know well done the glamorous to the glamorous tie I know that's been done hasn't it but they didn't quite get the glamorous tie they were probably hoping for which I mean, no sure. they didn't. They didn't get the glamorous tie they were hoping for. Here is uh, how the news was broken for who Maidstone have got in the next round. Number seven. Number seven, Sheffield Wednesday or Coventry City. It was a one-all draw at Hillsborough on Friday night between the two. Nine. Number nine, Maidstone United. Now, here's a stat for you. They're the first club from outside the top five teams in round five since Blythe Spartans in 1978. (laughs) There you go. I've been rumbled now. You know where I got the stuff uh, from. <laughs> <laughs> I've massively done Jeff Word in there. Coventry a disservice there by saying not a glamorous tie as well, haven't I? Uh, that's it. I'll tell you what, though. The weird thing is they have to believe now. George Alakobi will have done a really good job convincing the bulk of his side that they could go there and get that win. But it's yeah. it, what second in the championship and Coventry, Sheffield Wednesday, they're further down. So... Uh, um, Good luck to Maidstone United. Good luck to George Fowler, who uh, came on the pod, of course, last weekend. And uh, um, absolutely wonderful scenes. And I, th- I think when the four teams that had made it through to the third round went down to one, your natural thinking is, well done, Maidstone. They got further than anybody else and, and that will be the end of the road. But it isn't. They go on and we'll see how they get on in a few weeks' time. Final word from you on that, Joe? Yeah, also just to add that um, obviously they've managed to get another round further without uh, Levi Manchi. Obviously, he was the one that got them into the first round. Um, He's gone and they've still managed to get through. So, yeah, really good. 
Okay, on to the National League then. And there's probably not too much more we can say about Chesterfield other than the fact that it's getting ridiculous now. Um, uh, a 3-0 win at home to Southend. Uh, Berry, Quigley and Dobrik with the goals. Once again, two of them in the final 20 minutes for Chesterfield. They just get stronger. Sometimes they make two or three substitutes and the team ends up being even stronger than when it started. 16 points clear, two games in hand over their nearest rivals, uh, Bromley. Um, and really, it's probably more now a matter of uh, when rather than if. And uh, Ross, you and I can point to various sub stories, can't we? I think yeah. Dorkin lost 4 3 on the opening day of the season. Yeah. Tragic, really, circumstances for you. All the shot were three all going into the 95th minute and lost 4 3. They just find a way, don't they? Yeah, like it's like that Wrexham thing last year, isn't it? Where it's sort of they have this this sort of way of playing efficiency and such good players that they just keep going and sort of grind you down. So it is, it is a real sort of like compliment to them in terms of to compare them to that. But they're ahead, aren't they? Like ahead of what what that points is or that the the sort of record tally is, which is like unbelievable to think of, really. But he's got them playing good football. They have a star that the the, the player and. It's really efficient. They've got good goal scorers all over the pitch. So, like different different people pop up. They must have a few like comfortably over ten or getting towards ten. So, yeah, they're they're, they're a real good a real good side. They're a league side, almost like a bar name. Yeah, and a former Dorking Wanderers player, of course, uh, Darren Oldecker, getting yeah. applauded uh, many weeks running now. He's really established him himself yeah, this right. season. Scored a wonderful free kick um, against Aldershot, which uh, played a big part in. Chesterfield turning that one round. Um, they're 16 points clear then of Bromley, who have been in a little bit in different form of late. Three consecutive draws uh, were followed by a 1-0 defeat to AFC Fylde on uh, Saturday. And uh, I, I really wanted to use this point in the programme to, to flip it, to look at the other end. We've got a title race that's almost done. We've got a fantastic playoff race. Um, and when you look at it, Nearly all the other 23 teams are still involved. They could be in the playoffs or they could get dragged in at the other end. Um, Filed were one of three of the promoted sides from last year who um, have been in the bottom four for the bulk of the last couple of months to get a win on Saturday. Um, Ormerod, it was, who got the goal in the 11th minute. And... uh, Bromley, well, they fired blanks on the day. Andy Woodman wasn't happy. He thought they'd had enough chances to uh, to get the job done and win a couple of football matches. But um, it must be difficult for them, uh, Ross, isn't it? Bromley and Barnett, you'd swap, of course. Yeah. Um, but there, there's not any realistic hope of them catching um, Chesterfield. But they've got to keep up uh, their own levels to make sure that they do finish in those second and third places that they, they hold at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, the second and third is massively important, isn't it, to get them home ties in the playoffs. I think, uh, obviously, we play Barnet, or we play both sides. Um, I think uh, what Woody does at, at Bromley in terms of, like, the young players he develops, like he's obviously seen Ben Krahouse go on and sort of, like, that's not just a one-off. That seems to be a continual thing to have these young players come through, mixed with really, really good experience and sort of that style that he's always got, which is which is a sort of defensive, quite a defensive style, but it, it is it, it is offensive in the same when they get the ball, it's quick and it's it's hard to really like deal with in transition. And then obviously Barnett, I think he's evolved loads 
the Barnet side this year and, and probably doesn't get the credit Brennan gets that he should get really that Dean should get because I remember them last year but this year they're, they're high pressed they play out from the back they're, they're really really good side really one of the best sides we've played so I think they're, they're the two to sort of catch and but but like you said, that getting that second and third is is massive, really, as you go in the playoffs, huge. And uh, just before we do flip down and look at the other uh, end of the uh, of the league, let's let's focus uh, with you now, Joe, on uh, the other of those two sides, Barnet, who went up to Gateshead on Saturday and and, and got a terrific start through Nicky Kabamba, who's uh, uh, hard on hot on the heels of uh, Paul McCallum uh, for the Golden Boot in the National League, but uh, they couldn't hang on and. Gates said we talked about so many times what a wonderful team they are on their day and they have a lot of days but some days they're quite off it and, and when they go behind they don't always get the job done but they turned it around yesterday Joe Yeah uh, 2-1 win um, it was Luke Hannant um, who in my opinion should still probably be a football league player um, he got the, the first goal um, and then a goal from Kane Adam uh, who recently signed for Gateshead from Welling um, he's done really well so far this season. He got his first goal uh, for Gateshead. And uh, yeah, I mean, when you're in Gateshead's position, sort of trying to catch Barnet, um, it's always a boost to then beat them, knowing that if you do play them in the playoffs, you already know how to beat them. So uh, yeah, really good. And also the fact that they've managed to basically reinvent their team midway through a season, given that they've lost so many players. Um, I see Beach was in goal yesterday. He only recently signed Stott, uh, Whelan, Warman. Um, so, yeah, really good win for them. So, just flipping back to Fylde then and their 1-0 home win against Bromley. They got that. Um, Oxford City took on Ebbsfleet. So, the two promoted sides from the National League South last year. And Oxford City got the job done there in that one with a 1-0 home win as well. You kill for a 1-0 at, uh, at this stage of the season. Um, and uh, the other team down at the bottom who also got a 1-0 win away from home was Phil Brown's Kidderminster. Um, I said eight days ago or maybe seven days ago on this podcast that I think Kidderminster would have beaten most National League teams the way they played against Aldershot last weekend. They backed it up with a 1-0 win at Hartlepool in the week. Um, they further strengthened that with a 1-0 win at Ben Strevens Dagenham, somewhere where you went in the week with Dorkin and, and were, were kind of um, hit with um, a bit of a smash and grab, weren't you, uh, Ross? Yeah, yeah well, I, mean, I, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, we, it was, uh, we didn't start great that game, but, but we almost ne- nearly got something out of it late and, and then we just sort of switched off a little bit after we, we scored. So it was a, it was massively disappointing to obviously not get a point from that and to be so late and to get back in it. But I, we bounced back well, obviously, on Saturday with Warren Wood. So that's mm. all you asked for, really. But th- those sides down the bottom, like back to obviously, we got five file next week. File have picked up at home in particular, have picked up some big wins or picked up quite a few wins recently, haven't they? So. Yeah, they're fourth in the uh, form table now, Fylde, from the last six games. They've won three, drawn two and lost one. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those one of those quirks of fate in football, Ross, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes you get on a run of playing teams at the right time and, yeah, and yeah. then other times you get, you know, on, on, on playing, playing them at the wrong time. Let's reflect on Dawkins' uh, game on uh, on Saturday. Uh, you went to Boreham Wood. Now, my note from that game, and obviously I wasn't there, you are going to tell us more about it, but... Um, in midweek, Boreham Wood were 2-0 down at half-time and they came back to win 4-2. Um, you had them 2-0 down again um, yesterday. 
And they went down to 10 players at that point, didn't they? And you got the job done 3-0. Really terrific, solid performance on the road for Dorking Wanderers. And uh, you must have been delighted with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I certainly think like since the turn of the year with, with players coming back from injury and, and us adjusting to sort of our, our part-time model, which is our part-time day model, we've, we've really sort of hit, hit, hit a bit of a sort of, um, we've hit a little bit of form really. I mean, we, we were excellent at home to Oldham and we beat Oxford City, we beat Gateshead and obviously we beat Bournemouth on Saturday, but I think Bournemouth was the best of a lot, to be honest. 11 v 11, we went 2-0 up and, and we were excellent and, I don't think they had a shot on goal. And, and as soon as it went down to 10 men, it does get a little bit, it's never easy playing 10 men. And they came out second half and, and pressed quite high, but I think we're always in control. But 11 v 11 in particular, um, yeah, I thought we were excellent. That's probably the best, we've best or the most structured and the most organised we've played, certainly, certainly in and out of possession. So yeah, really, really good performance. Yeah, and uh, thank you, Joe, in the background, just for correcting me. Of course, it ended up 4-4, didn't it, against Eastley between Boar and Wood? Um, on uh, uh, in in the week, um, let just while we're talking about Ross, um, while we're talking about uh, Dorking Wanderers, give us a little bit of insight. I mean, for you personally, you went from heading up the academy at Aldershot Town to filling in for a few games, which ended up being a few more and a few more yeah. and a few more, and included, funny enough, a couple of wins over um, over Dorking Wanderers, and then um, out of work in the summer. Um, Mark White uh, made a call and uh, and he went to join him there. Just tell us a little bit more about that and, and just how different it is, A, not being the top man, which you'll have got a little bit of a taste for, uh, yeah. and B, um, you know, some of the pros and cons of, of, of working with what is essentially a part-time, almost a kind of hybrid now, moving towards full-time model. Yeah, I mean, um, well, so... I think I think I had a few offers in the summer, and I, I think whether it was to go abroad or or whether it was stay in this country. And I, I spoke to Mark a lot over um, my time at Aldershot, really, and, and we got on, and um, he was very supportive. And then the offer came up when obviously Mark Beard went to Eastbourne, so there was an opportunity there. And I think for me, it was it was seemed a perfect opportunity to stay at this level, get some more experience at this level, do some more games at this level uh, with a manager who has loads and loads of experience and uh, has took a club pretty much from, oh, well, has took a club from nowhere up to where they are now. So I've seen, I seen it as a, a great opportunity, really, and wanted to stay at this level. So that was my main reason for doing it. And I'm, I'm obviously the head coach, so I just get to coach every day and, well, two days a week, um, which is which is ideal for me, really. Um, and how frustrating is it for you on the other days, Ross? Or do you get more just more time to plan than you would have done before? Yeah, I think that is the second one. We get more time to plan, really. So more time watching clips, more time maybe sending stuff to players or or doing things um, virtually or, or, or over WhatsApp or whatnot. So that's probably the most different thing. I think you you asked one of the biggest cons. I think I think one of the biggest cons has been having this, you've got this these players and this part-time model of, who were just used to training evenings and then suddenly you're going to training days and then we're, we're obviously we've made loads of new signings in the summer and throughout the season with Charlie Carter, Dan Pybus, um, obviously Tony Craig and George Frank on back end of last year. So I think we're starting to starting to see the benefits of that now, but that, that's been a real, real sort of shock, shock to everyone making that change. And as we plan to sort of go full time, which is hopefully, hopefully the plan is where we want to be, be come the summer really. So 
just getting everything in place so we can we can do that as easy as possible. And I obviously speak to Mark quite regularly as well, and, and I know he's come out publicly and said he maybe didn't get it quite right with the Tuesday Thursday thing because of course if you play, if you got a match on a Tuesday then you can't really go full at, full tilt at training anyway on the Tuesday yeah. at the moment what what what's it looking looking like or have no firm decisions been made for for the training kind of model for next season yet is it is it too early to say yeah i would say too early to say i think i think obviously it's in the back of our, all of our heads that that's where we want to go but whether whether we are still some sort of hybrid model next year i think going full time flat out and going instantly is always going to be a challenge um because you want to keep the core of the squad together. Like like I said, we, we, we've made so many new new signings. You're sort of getting them used to the culture and, and the style and, and the environment and then um, doing all of that and then having to do it again with new players to get full-time. So I think it'll be, it'll be even if it is more towards full-time next year, it'll be still a slow process. Uh, but again, nothing's been massively discussed. It's, it's about getting through this year and doing as best as we can and, and being in the best shape possible as we are, as we can be come the summer. Um, with, like I said, like we're getting so many players back from injury now and and so many players, new players getting used to what we want to do and what where, where we want them to be within the within the group. So I think you'll start to see a lot, a lot of improvement from us in the coming weeks. I'm absolutely sure of it. So like, but what it looks like in the summer, will, a lot will depend on that really. Absolutely. No midweek game for talking. You've got filed coming to Medibank um, next Saturday. And I I, I, I'm, I think I'm like an awful lot of people now. I think Dorking Wanderers has become my second favourite team. I obviously have good relations with you and with Mark and with Waleed. And just Definitely. flipping back to that dogfight at the bottom, it's ridiculous, right? What's With those wins for the sides in the bottom four recently, yeah. um, the very bottom side now, Oxford City, have 27 points. And uh, you can go right up to Southend and Boreham Wood who are above Dorking um, yeah. and they're, they're all within seven points of that aren't they uh, yeah. Wanderers, Wanderers have pulled four points clear and and you know come off the pitch yesterday looked at the results looked at the table and thought just as well we won today yeah, I know yeah it seems to be uh, that's what happens as well when you win don't you everyone seems to win but some good sides down there I mean I mean, we got Fylde next week Fylde are a good side they're young they're energetic and they've got lots about them that can press, that in transitions they're quick, so they're really, really tough to play against. And, and Kitty Minister, like, like Kitty, when you play them, they were hard, they were solid, they're a really tough side. Like now they're starting to score goals, so like, yeah, they're on the rise a little bit. So, yeah, it's tough to have some good sides down there. And um, just we talked a lot about National League catching the eye of the nation last year, with, particularly with, with, with Wrexham and Notts County this year. With with Chesterfield and and with good coaches like Stuart Maynard being getting up as you know um, promotions into the EFL, but another indication, uh, Joe, come to you on this one of uh, just how um, attractive the National League is these days. You've got a manager like Phil Brown that's come and taken the reins at uh, Academister, and uh, he's managed in the Premiership, right? And uh, he's had a real impact in his first week in charge of Kiddie. Yeah, um, certainly an interesting uh, name to bring in. Um, I'm not sure the fans were wholly uh, sure, uh, given that uh, what he did at Southend. But I think sometimes, you know, I didn't think it was a particularly great appointment when it was made. But sometimes there's value in just bringing in someone with a bit of experience that knows how to win games. You know, we've seen that at FC Fall with Chris Beach. 
you know, probably a little bit back to basics, but it works. And speaking to a couple of the Kidderminster fans yesterday, they said that's all Phil Brown has done since he's come in. He's made it very, very simple, um, restored a couple of players to the team and tried to put it back to basics. And, you know, six is it six points in a week now, I think, for them. Um, and another clean sheet. Um, so, yeah, really, really positive. I'm going to put a point to you that might or might not be contentious, Ross. When um, Russ Penn, who's also a friend of the show, been on many times, um, might have been considered excellent defensive record to be a little bit of a handbrake on manager. And then Phil Brown comes in, he said he's taken the handbrake off. Was there an element of you doing that when you took over from Mark Molesley last season uh, at Old Shot? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you, you get sort of like, it's a new face, new voice, isn't it? And and sort of maybe like a new way of doing things or whether it's a new formation or, or, or maybe some maybe more importantly, new principles and stuff. So I think that probably just maybe motivates, has that sort of instant reaction a little bit, doesn't it? So, um, and when you're going, you're going through a bit of a, I mean, Russ did an unbelievable job, by the way, to get them even into this league and to achieve yeah. that. He did, he's unreal. So, I think when you're going through that little bit of a sticky point, they couldn't quite score goals and then it's a bit of a fresh start for players and a bit of a fresh feel and it gives people that little bit of a boost. So I can sort of certainly sort of understand like how simple and, and how simplifying things and just freshening up a bit might 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 give a team a boost. The, the key thing for them clubs is is it, can it continue and, and can can they make sure that it lasts longer than Obviously, three games, which is which is obviously the really tough thing to do. So that'll be interesting to see what 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 looks like over the next maybe two or three games for Kitty. Yeah, another side that would have got in the dressing room yesterday, absolutely delighted with their one nil away win, uh, and also relieved that they got the win. Looking at the table, is Woking the first win, Joe, for manager Michael Doyle? He's been saying for a few weeks, it's coming, it's coming, and what we're doing on the training pitch will eventually replicate itself in a performance and a result. And and just how impressive, Joe, was that for, for, for Woking in no sort of form at all, really, to go to Oldham, who'd won seven of the last nine and come away with a 1-0 win? Yeah, massive for them. Um, because I was I was uh, a little bit concerned for them. Obviously, haven't won uh, yet under Doyle, but that's a big result. Um, and he's tried to chop and change the players. Um, Max Dyche signed yesterday from uh, from Northampton. Um, he got, uh, I believe, son of Sean, I think. Um, yeah, he, he uh, had a really good uh, debut, bowl accounts. Um, and, you know, for them to go away to Oldham, who are in good form, and to keep players like Oliver Norwood and recent signing Andre Dallas uh, quiet and keep a clean sheet um, is a really good result. Uh, so, yeah, um, lift off for uh, Michael Doyle. And he'll hope that it's not just you know, a flash in a pan. You know, this is going to be the start of a little run because they probably need that if they're going to pull themselves away from the drop zone. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Just your thoughts on, on that one, Ross. And um, Sean, D- uh, Sean, Max Dice, we know a little bit about him, don't we? Yeah, he was at uh, North, Northampton, isn't he? He's on North from Northampton, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, great, it's a great win to go there. I mean, we went there. Nil, but I was obviously um, before Mickey took over. But I think um, he's gone in uh, Doyle and he's tried to sort of bring a bit more youth to the side. It's obviously 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 Darren's Darren's side, and it, it's that side was 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 set up to play a certain way. It was a real intense pressing team, and and he's gone in and tried to sort of change the style a little bit, which 
it's going to take time and 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 like fair play for him to go on in and put his own stamp on it. So that will be interesting to see how that sort of pans out. Bringing in younger players, trying to change the style uh, almost overnight. So yeah, he's got a, got a good win, and I'm sure he'll want to sort of like um, get a bounce on from that or, or move on, from, get more, more from that. Really, that sort of kick started. Yeah, one team that'll be really looking over its shoulder after yesterday is Neil Ardley's York City. We it felt like there was a little bit of step-by-step improvement um, for York when Ardley came in, but they haven't really pulled clear of trouble and they've been sucked right back into it now. Uh, a 90-plus minute goal from Depo Akinyenmi proved to be just mere consolation after Manny Dizaruve, um scored both goals for Hartlepool. His first game since December. Uh, he's already, before that, was into double figures and... Uh, I don't know why, but I know we should let this go, Joe, and move on. But I still keep thinking, should they have hung on to Askey? That's a great first win for Kevin Phillips and credit to him for that uh, with Lenny Lawrence alongside. But Mancini was out and he's back now and Dizarube was out and he's back now. And you do feel better times are ahead for Hartlepool, Joe, don't you? Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that, Rob, um, because <laughs> I made that point in the week um, and said that, you know, they've... Um, they had a couple of players out and then they've since added a couple of players and should they have stuck with Aski? And I basically got jumped on and said that he didn't have a clue and that his football was past it um, and it was the right thing to get rid of him. So obviously they've made the decision um, to bring in a new manager um, and um, there were a couple of home debuts yesterday for some really good players as well. Um, Otis Khan and, and Luke Waterfall. Um, obviously, formerly of, of well, both of them formerly of Grimsby, uh, but particularly Waterfall in the National League when they went up. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's a good squad there. Um, and I personally would have felt that that um, ASCII could have got them top half at least, pushing towards the playoffs with them back. But um, they've put their trust in in Kevin Phillips. Quick point from you on that one, Ross. Um... <sighs> Sometimes as a manager, they talk about being a good manager. Sometimes it's going to be a lucky manager. Isn't it? Sometimes yeah. the the availability of key players is massive, isn't it? And it was tough for you last year, I've got to say, when 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 the decision was made to let in the effing on leave for Dagenham. Yeah, well, I mean, we, uh, I'm, yeah, I mean, lesson learned there, wasn't it? Don't let you, don't let your top goal scorer go. But I think, um, yeah, it was really tough. And and you look at our sort of like run with him. And to the run when he left the ten games when he left was was a real challenge to score and um, he used to he used to pop up and nick games with you so having a, having a number nine at, at any level or a goal score at any level is so so important and obviously like to, to link into sort of Hartlepool Askey's had it tough hasn't he? he's had loads like there was a point there was a period I know we went up and played them there and he had about three, he had two or three youngsters on the bench he was starting a youngster as well two maybe two youngsters so. I think he's had it, had it really tough with injuries, and it, it can sort of. Um, I would say not 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 fans. Fans don't obviously want to look at that, and and it's obviously an easy excuse. So, but obviously Kevin's come in, and he's been he's been backed, um, which which is always always interesting when a new manager comes in, and you're like, why didn't you just do yeah. that when you have all the injuries? Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does. He did really well at Shields. Uh, obviously, I'm a Sullen fan as well, so I'll be watching and see how he gets on yeah. and stuff. So. Yeah, that would be uh, I'll be interested. Looking forward to obviously meeting them as well on the last meeting last them when they come down to uh, to Meadowbank later in the season. Brilliant! I've finally quit. I can keep up with my kids now. I feel like I've got my life back. It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking, and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. 
From our app to emails, face-to-face support and online communities. Search smoke-free. Better health. Let's do this. Right, four games left still to cover in the National League. Delighted to say we've now been joined by another regular on the show, Richard Wharton, a.k.a. Dickie. Good uh, good evening. We're recording this on uh, Sunday evening. Yeah, good evening. Nice to join you. We've been working our way from the bottom upwards uh, in this particular podcast, Dickie. The next game I want to cover is Maidenhead against Solihull Moors. And, uh, well, you just don't dare write them off, do you? They're 14th now, Maidenhead, 35 points. After doing the double over Solihull Moors this season, who've been in the top five or six for the entire season. Ross, let me come to you. It's more evidence, isn't it, that in this league, anybody can beat anybody on the day, can't they? Yeah, it is. He's got. They've got the mid here. Went for. I've gone for a little sticky patch as well, haven't they? They've not. They've not been massively picking up loads of results. So, but that's um, that's a that's a Alan Devonshire side, isn't it? Like just when you sort of start writing them off and thinking they're going to start slipping, they'll go and stick two or three wins together. So, but they're, they're, we we've played them twice this year. That they've got. They're an exciting side. They've got young players, like young forward players, the press and. They're good in transitions. They're quick. They've got good ball carriers, so they're an exciting team. So um, the law was—I think they'll be—they'll be—they'll be all right. The laws aren't. So, <laughs> it looked at one point that uh, Toby Show Silver might be the main. So I think got two or three goals in one of the early rounds of the uh, of the cups, but uh, he hasn't been on the score sheet too much. He did get them underway on Saturday. Josh Kelly in double figures for the season. He oh. uh, he uh, equalised. But uh, Sam Barrett—that's an interesting story, isn't it? It's got to yeah. be the third. It's got to be at least the third spell he's had at Maidenhead, and he's back there on loan from Barnet. Yeah, you know, so um, he's just something he loves about um, yeah, your 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 road that the rest of us don't. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's good at set pieces, isn't it? <laughs> that left foot, it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. And and Sam, we know you got more than just the left foot, but uh, <laughs> terrific, terrific result, of course, for for Maidenhead there. Um, and, uh, well, three other games to cover. I guess one result that caught my eye um, yesterday was Altrincham 4, Eastleigh nil. And what you've got there is a side that have been put together well in Phil Parkinson's second year um, with Altrincham as a full-time club and uh, four different goal scorers. And they're really starting to purr, aren't they, Ross, Altrincham? Um and uh, maybe I'll come to you on Altrincham and go to Joe on Eastleigh, who are conceding goals uh, for fun right now. Uh, but uh, yeah, Altrincham, they're the real deal, Ross, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. Like, like Con Clark, Newby, like Justin Amaluza, like really, really good players. He's built, uh, they went, obviously went full time last year and, and sort of struggled with the transition early and, and and they sort of found a bit of form a form a bit later on when they when they sort of adapted to it. But this 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 year they've really kicked on. The, the, he's got his sort of system and his principles that he has and he's got players that you that his recruitment's been excellent. Like the, you look at the players even uh, I think uh, Linny's come back in and started scoring as well, hasn't he as well hasn't he as well? So um yeah, really good, really well organised like quick players, but solid defensively as well. And that home record's excellent, isn't it? They, that's going to that's gonna stand them in real good stead. So we've still got, we, I think we go there Tuesday. So that, that's that's something for us to, week Tuesday. So that's something for us to sort of look forward to. Yeah, in a, in, in, in a perverse kind of way. I know what you're saying. <laughs> um, 
Now, I used to complain a lot when Luke hosted the podcast that Aldershot uh, went last every week. Um, <laughs> to be fair, they've had their moments this season where they've played a big part of, the, of this podcast, of course, particularly the FA Cup run. But uh, they've been a bit all over the place of late. And um, I watched them yesterday against Rochdale, who, if I'm honest, I think suffered A, having a few injuries and B, not having played since the 6th of January. Uh, Aldershot, of course, come off the back of a midweek good performance and a draw against Bromley. And the shots took the lead through Lauren Tolage's 19th goal of the season and uh, um, did what they often do and did it a fair bit last year as well. Could see within a few minutes of scoring, Ian Henderson, uh, some are telling me the oldest player in the National League, certainly the oldest striker in town anyway. Um, route one goal for Rochester, but very well put away by Henderson. Um, and then Aldershot, really, really good with the ball and without in the second half. Rochdale never looked like getting back into it. Kean Harris, who probably didn't even know he was a penalty taker himself before this season. He's now got six out of six. Um, and Jack Barham got the man of the match, an absolute pest. He, in truth, is probably not the greatest finisher, but he works so bloody hard that he ends up getting three, four, five chances a game. Um and then the other point notable from, from that game, 3,011 at Aldershot Town in the middle of January against Rochdale, who bought a, uh, an impressive um, 183. I'm just going to throw to you, Ross. Obviously, it's a club that's still very dear to your heart, where you, you had the reins for a few months last season. Um, looking on uh, from afar, just your comments on, on the job that Widrington's done there. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable, really. I mean, he's, he's recruitment and... The sort of how he sort of moulded the side uh, into this sort of again young, energetic, like forward thinking side. Loads of creativity, loads of energy, uh, really positive players in there. So he, he's brought um, players in that sort of that exactly that he wanted for this certain style, and and I think it shows and certainly the the, the home performances, which have. I mean, bear in mind the struggles at the EBB over the years that that how much that's turned around and. I think think when you go away from home with younger players as well, it's always going to be a challenge. I think I think that's probably one thing he's probably fully aware of. But yeah, real, real hats off to him. I watch him afar. I've got a lot. Of, I've got a lot of friends still there who are certainly working within the academy and who are fans of the club and stuff. And we stay in touch. And I certainly watch him afar. So yeah, it's really really good 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 to see the fan base um, get the home form that they always wanted and and get it with a sort of fast attacking young team who were, who are really. <laughs> Really exciting to watch, really. So I think, yeah, fair, fair, fair play to him, and it's a, such a quick turnaround as well. Like it's not something that you could all, almost argue might take some time. And I thought I always thought it would take time, and he's almost done it overnight. So I think I think you said the, the, the beginning they've been a bit mixed, but but you're seventh in the league, and you've had a, a sort of third round FA Cup run, and I think if you'd have said that's where you'd be come come sort of February. February, you probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have believed many. So, like, I think really, really, really good from a really good start, positive start. So, you'll be necessarily finish the season, really. Yeah, absolutely. Long way to go. Plenty to play for for the shots. Of course, they had that period where they understandably went out 4-1 to West Brom. And that was followed up by um, a 6-1 defeat in the FA Trophy by Bishop Stortford and then a 4-2 defeat by Kidderminster, who hadn't scored four goals all season. So, there were some legitimate concerns, particularly defensively. But a strong week at the EBB for Shots, who will travel on Tuesday night, and I haven't forgotten Joe, to Grosvenor Vale, where they'll see 
they'll come up against the second best team in the form table in the National League, Wealdstone, with four wins, a draw, and just the one defeat in the last two game, uh, last um, six games. And Joe, on Saturday, um, they dispatched a very respected opposition in FC Halifax Town. Yeah, Halifax are usually quite good on the road, um, but it wasn't to be on Saturday as uh, Wildstone managed to kick off life without Stuart Maynard with a win uh, and Alex Dyer's one and only game in interim charge for Wildstone um, with uh, St Albans' David Noble getting the job there at Wildstone, um, which would be interesting to see how he does. Um, but yeah, a good 2-0 win yesterday. Uh, goals from Aaron Hayden. Um, really good that they managed to even get Aaron Hayden because he's played some games in League One this year for Charlton. So for, to get him back to the National League uh, is really impressive. And uh, a rare, I say rare goal, uh, certainly it's been rare this year, goal for, for Tavon Campbell. Uh, nice to see him back on the score sheet uh, for Wildstone. And uh, yeah, David Noble gets his first game on Tuesday and... Hopefully, Rob, uh, older shot don't get stung by new manager bounce. <laughs> well, they might have learned something from going to Kidderminster uh, <laughs> a week ago. You said Hayden there. According to my reports and the non-league Henry, paper, sorry. it's Henry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah Henry. Henry. Is, that's it. Yeah, Tavon Campbell. I think he's only on five or six for, for the season. So, uh, hopefully, he doesn't end up getting a hat-trick on Tuesday night. I've, I've interviewed a lot of strikers from other teams for this pod when they have done well. Yeah, I remember Tommy Widrington had six games in charge last year and it was really with the 1-0, the very gritty 1-0 win away at Wealdstone that Aldershot uh, looked as if they probably would stay up and then, of course, they confirmed that with a point up at York on the um, final away game of the season. But, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Wealdstone, uh, you know, the 2023-24 version. I missed the game at the EBB earlier on in the season in which the shots prevailed 3-1, but it, it might have been a little bit fortunate on the on the day. Wilston were, were, were very impressive by all accounts and, and caught the eye. Um, and, uh, yeah, for Alex Dyer, you know, if he never manages again, Ross, 100% record. And you too could have done that with three wins from three when you first started. If you'd said, no, you said three games, I'm off now. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around, I think around 30%, 35% will just have to do it. Yeah, I'll stick around that. <laughs> All right, that completes our roundup of the National League. Other than uh, we'll mention it again briefly at the end when we look forward to uh, uh, the games coming up in midweek. Ross, yeah. thank you for joining us. Your second appearance on the pod. Great to see you as always. Pleasure, Rob. Thank you very much for having me on. And uh, obviously, nice to see you both, Dickie and uh, Joe as well. And uh, yeah, keep up the good work. Right. In the National League North, then, we talk in great detail about Tamworth and Scunthorpe and uh, their title race. Uh, we won't quite rule out uh, others just yet. But uh, just to mention briefly at the start of the North that uh, they both got wins on Saturday. Uh, Tamworth won by two goals to nil at home to Spennymore. And uh, it was uh, Greeny and uh, Akwai, I think you might say it, um, who were on the score sheet for Tamworth. And Scunthorpe uh, got a 1-0 win uh, thanks to a Roberts goal in the 17th minute away at uh, Peterborough Sports, who've uh, been in decent form of late and sit in a healthy mid-table position. But, uh, Dickie, I think you wanted to start this week with that third-place side, Scarborough. 
who uh, who went to Banbury. Yes, they did indeed. Uh, although, uh, just to throw in very, very quickly um, on the Tamworth one there, they do play one another on yes. Tuesday evening, as you mentioned. Uh, Tamworth lost a very important component at their side last week. Jamie Jellis has moved to Walsall of League Two. So it'll be interesting to see what impact that hit that has. Obviously, it didn't have an impact straight away because they beat Spennymore yesterday. So no immediate repercussions. But uh, yeah, an interesting move, that one. Right. Yeah. Back to where we were. Banbury against Scarborough. And I picked this one out mainly because of the change uh, of management at Banbury in the last couple of days. Mark Jones has left his position as manager of Banbury. He'd been in since the summer. Um, and obviously... They're in need of results, and they got one yesterday. They got a big one against Scarborough, a team third in the table, who I'm sure would have fancied their chances of getting something on the road, um, but they didn't get anything yesterday. Lawson de Ath scoring um, for Banbury uh, after 27 minutes, and yeah, a really, uh, a really valuable three points that for Banbury, and um, interesting to see who they will go for in terms of a managerial appointment. Mm. Another result that caught your eye yesterday in the National League North, was uh, Gloucester, um, who had a little bit of a battle at the other end of the table uh, with Bishop Stortford. Yes, they did. And and this was very much a, a clash of teams towards the bottom of the table. Um, picked up on this one mainly because of Gloucester's away record. I think Gloucester had only collected four points on the road all season, four draws. So this was their first away win of the season. And they always say that when you're down towards the bottom, it's it's the results you get against the teams around you that can really help. And this one on that basis will really have helped Gloucester. Teddy Rowe got them off to a great start four minutes in and they were a goal ahead. Amadou Casarate got a goal back for Bishop Stortford on 25 minutes. But then Gloucester proceeded to take this one away from them. Theo Robinson, former Football League striker. He had a spell at Brackley last season, played for them in the playoffs. And he's also done some radio work for... BBC Radio Shropshire, my local station, so we never know. We might be able to tempt Theo onto this pod at some point. Uh, he put them ahead after 42 minutes, and then Danny Wright scored in the 54th minute. Darren Foxley dismissed for Bishop Stortford after 64 minutes, and Ben Berriford really just rubbing salt in the wound in the 89th minute with a fourth goal for Gloucester. Yeah, terrific win for them. It really was a rough day yesterday for Bishop Stortford because everybody else in the bottom four picked up a point or three and uh, Bishop Stortford just haven't really been able to kick on from that FA Trophy success they now find themselves 15 points uh, away from safety and it's starting to look really really bleak for them um, Darlington, plaudits to them Dickie, they had Hereford come into town who sit in a playoff position but they dispatched them an excellent win up in the northeast. Yeah, very much so. Uh, a, a desperately needed result, this one. That Darlington had collected points under Steve Watson, their new manager, um, but they need to start putting together sequences of results rather than just picking up odd wins here and there. And I think this is something like their, might be their second win in three, just looking, second win in four. Um, and they have had Tamworth, uh, the league leaders, in that spell as well. So, uh, yeah, they had goals from Ben Little and Matthew Cornish adding a goal in the 90th minute there. Uh, to put the seal on that one. Both sides have been managed by Josh Gowling in recent history as well. Um, but yeah, a, a disappointment for Hereford. It's a really long away trip, given that it's January. But uh, yeah, Harry, Hereford returned home empty-handed and uh, a big three points for Darlington. I mentioned Kingslin uh, briefly, or I, I referred to all the sides in the bottom four other than Bishop Stortford 
getting something. Kings Lynn uh, got a clean sheet against Chester, who also sit in a playoff position. And and that's probably uh, an even more remarkable point, uh, Dickie, uh, and clean sheet for Kings Lynn after what happened in the week. Yeah, I don't think you would have put too much on this one. Chester had a really, really positive 2-0 away win at Chorley in midweek, uh, a contest between two teams in the playoff positions. So they were set up really nicely for this one. Kingsland had an absolutely horrendous Tuesday evening. They lost 4-0 at home to Curzon Ashton. And of course, they managed now by Adam Lakeland, who is the former manager of Curzon Ashton. So it was a very, very unhappy meeting of uh, of his old team and his new team there for, for Adam. Um, and on, on the basis of that, you would have thought this would have been a Chester victory yesterday. But Kings Lynn have dug in. They've got a clean sheet, even if they've not got the win that they needed. They, of course, we know they've added scoring power in Jonathan Margits, but um, that's two uh, games without scoring since he's come on board. So he hasn't had an immediate impact, um, but they'll be hoping he has one soon. Um, because as good a point as that was yesterday, Kings Lynn, once again, are deciding really need to be stringing together a bigger sequence of results than just getting the odd W here and there. Absolutely. Uh, Brackley were also involved in a nil-nil at Buxton. They remain in fifth place. And the other side we haven't mentioned yet, who are in a playoff place, are Kurz and Ashton. Terrific week, as we've just meant, a uh, terrific win in the week, as we've just mentioned earlier. Um but they were in a bit of trouble on Saturday, Dickie, weren't they, at uh, Russell Olympic? Um, and uh, they managed to scrape their way back in for a point. Yeah, this this is probably a draw that maybe has a feel of a win for Curzon Ashton, given that they were 2-0 down. Um, we know that uh, Russell are now uh, without uh, uh, Danny Waldron, who's gone to Southend United. But Andre Landell got them ahead after just three minutes. And then Alex Moore added a second on 68th. And by that point, I would imagine Rochelle probably thought, not comfortable, but, you know, they're on course for it. They were to be proven wrong, unfortunately. Jimmy Spencer with a goal in the 75th minute. And then Alex Kenyon with an equaliser two minutes from time. That's why I say this one would probably feel like a win for Curzon Ashton. I say a 4-0 away win um, in midweek, followed by a point on the road at at Rush Hall yesterday. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty good week. No, it's probably been a pretty tiring week uh, in a bus for Curzon Ashton. Yeah, looking at the sides closing in on the likes of Curzon, who only got the point, and Hereford, who lost in those playoff positions, just outside, three of the next four teams won. Alfreton Town, 3-2 away at uh, Southport. That was a, a 90th-minute McDonough Winner there. Terrific three points for Alfreton on the road. Uh, same can be said for Boston United, who, uh, thanks to a, uh, a Hazel double, uh, beat South Shields 2-1 away from home. And also Warrington. Uh, they got a win as well. 2-1 away at Blythe Spartan. So all three of those sides, Dickie, uh, coming up with uh, uh, away wins, three points on the road to keep the heat on the likes of Curzon and Hereford. Very much so. I uh, say so you mentioned Jerry McDonald there. He's a Kidderminster Harriers player, so he's on loan to Alberton. Um, so he's obviously been moved out uh, by a new Kidderminster gaffer, Phil Brown, as he's looking to add more scoring. Um, I think the big one there that I would pick out is Warrington's 2-1 win at Blythe. That might not be a remarkable result on its own, 
but coming off the back of Warrington winning 6-0 at Buxton on Tuesday night. That's two away games, six points, eight goals scored and just one conceded for Mark Beasley's side. Absolutely fantastic return for them. They had goals from Bohan Dixon and Matty McDonald yesterday. Uh, Nicky Davidix did get a penalty for Blythe to equalise in between those two goals. But yeah, Warrington. Um, it, I, I did think that they would be fairly well suited and fairly well able to make the step up to this level. I don't think they've had too much of a change in personnel either. And, and yeah, they're really competing well. That just leaves Chorley and Farsley Celtic, who shared the points after uh, a goal each in the opening half an hour. And the one comment I wanted to make was just uh, around the pronunciation of the Chorley goal scorer. I'm going to go for Uboezuono. I'm going to go with that too, you know, rather than me. <laughs> I, I've got myself into trouble trying to pronounce Carlton's name on this pod before, almost to the point where I was going to contact Chorley and ask him if he'd record a little ident for us where he said, hi, I'm Carlton, and told us his name, because I thought that would have been a nice way to find out. But yeah, he got them off the bar with a goal in the 22nd minute yesterday, but they were pegged back fairly shortly afterwards by Sam Leverett for Farsley, a midfielder, um, and it stayed at 1-1, so not a hugely productive week for Chorley. They've had two home games this week and just picked up a point where I'm sure they would have been looking at that one yesterday as... Not exactly a banker, but they would have hoped that they get three from yet that one. And they would have been hoping for more against Chester as well. So a little bit of a slip for Andy Priest's side in the last couple of games. OK, that's the National League North then, where Tamworth still sit nine points clear of Scunthorpe in second place. So the National League South then, Yeovil still top the National League South, Joe, uh, by 10 points. But they had to be content with just the one on Saturday. Yeah, um, perhaps a useful point on the road for Yeovil. Um, obviously, they'd have liked to have got all three, but St Albans have done really well. I think won their last five or six uh, in the league. So they're on a, a little upturn in fortunes. So obviously, they lost their manager, David Noble, in the week. Uh, their interim manager uh, managed to get off to a good start. Um, any points against Yeovil is a respectable point. Um, the game did also come at a bit of a cost for, for Yeovil in that they've now lost uh, Mark Cooper said that he he's now lost Jake Hyde for the foreseeable future, so may he may not get back before the end of the season. Uh, and likewise, Reese Murphy, uh, he's also uh, out for the foreseeable future of injury. Um, given their boat uh, injury records, it's not surprising um, that they've uh, now set for a sell on the sidelines. But uh, yeah, a useful point for both teams actually, I think. All right, well, we can't avoid it any longer, Joe, because Worthing are in second place. And they scored four again at home. That's happened a few occasions this season. They did concede two, in truth. Uh, against your side, Torquay United, discuss. Yeah, um, obviously disappointing. Um, I did expect Worthing to win the game. Um, they beat us 3-0 at Playmore. Really, really impressed by Worthing. I thought they were outstanding in the, on the on the afternoon then, um, and they were again uh, yesterday. It was actually Torquay that took the lead. Uh, Tom Lapsley, he's back in the team after injury. Uh, really nice to see him back in, and he got a goal. Uh, but uh, two goals within six minutes of Worthing. Uh, first of those from Dylan Fage, uh, formerly of Oldham. He's signed from St Albans in the week. Uh, he got the goal before Danny Cashman got his first of the game uh, to turn it around. Um, and then Ollie Pierce. Uh, every week, Ollie Pierce seems to be on the score sheet. 
um, and he was again to make it 3-1. Um, Torquay did rally uh, in the second half, goals to Ethan Archer. Um, he uh, He's really impressed uh, in, in recent weeks. Uh, he got a goal uh, before a bit of a, a nightmare minute for Torquay, uh, losing Dean Moxie to, uh, to a second yellow card, which means he will be out uh, for Tuesday's game. Um, and also Will Jenkins-Davis, who played on the weekend, uh, his suspension from the last game didn't come into uh, effect. Uh, so he'll also be up for Tuesday. And where they managed to seal it, uh, another goal for Danny Cashman. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we've come to expect, isn't it? From where they really good going forward. Um, and uh, another win up to second, doing really well. Yeah, and Chalky remain in the playoff positions on goal difference. Hampton and Richmond Borough have had a superb run of late, both in the league and, of course, in the Cups too. But they had a bit of a rough time on Saturday. They took on another side from the top seven, Chelmsford, who move up to third or stay in third, Joe, uh, thanks to that goal from Ruff, who's back at Chelmsford, of course, these days, his second spell there. And uh, back to doing what they do well, Chelmsford, the 1-0 wins. Yeah, um, really, really good uh, performance from them uh, to keep Hampton and Richmond out. Um, and Charlie Ruff, again, brilliant this season. Um, been one of the best players in the division uh, by some distance. And uh, he got a goal uh, to to hand them three points. And, uh, you know, Chelmsford, um, Robbie Simpson's had his doubters from the Chelmsford, uh, or certainly sections of the Chelmsford fans, but he keeps uh, finding a way to get results. And, uh, that was a really, really important one yesterday. Maidstone are fourth, involved in FA Cup action, of course. And the reason why Bath City uh, didn't have a game on uh, Saturday. But Avely, who looked to be dropping out of the playoff picture, they sit fifth now, just a point on the road for them. But something remarkable, Joe, about the two-all at Taunton in the fact that all four goals were scored in the space of uh, nine minutes, all beginning with... I think it was 70, 72, 77 and 79. Yeah, if you uh, certainly if you nipped to the loo or went to go and get a pie, then you may have missed uh, all four goals. Um, but uh, a useful point uh, for Avely uh, against a Taunton side who are still a good team, uh, even though they've, they've lost some players. Um, and given the circumstance, a good point for Taunton as well. You know, any point for them at the moment is good, given that they're down to the bare bones um, and to co behind twice and then come back as you know to get a point is uh, really really good for Rob Dre. Let's reflect now at the other end of the table uh, which will include uh, another managerial changes too of course. Um, so the uh, the four sides that uh, started the day in the bottom four uh, incredibly Three of them won. The unlucky side were the bottom side, Haven't and Waterlooville. They were beaten 1-0 at Chippenham. Uh, Bradbury goal there towards the end of the uh, first half. But uh, the fortunes of the other three sides were much, much better, weren't they, uh, Joe? Uh, Eastbourne Borough got the job done against Farnborough. Um, scored early on, got pegged back early on. But uh, Legenza... Is he on loan from uh, AFC Fylde? AFC Fylde. I saw him play earlier on in the season. So they beat Farnborough to keep Farnborough still a little bit frustrated down in 17th place, uh, but an excellent win for Eastbourne. And then Dover Athletic um, 
got the job done uh, against Slough, 1-0, and uh, Welling, one away from home at Hemel. Uh, just tell us your thoughts on those two games. Yeah, um, a really good win for Dover. Um, obviously, Slough have been really strong at home. Not been as good away from home, but they would have still expected to get something uh, against Dover. But uh, yeah, three three points for Dover. A uh, goal from George Nikaj. He scored the only goal of the game. He was then sent off two minutes later. I haven't seen the report or the highlights. I would imagine it was a second yellow card for taking his shirt off. That's the sort of intelligent thing that footballers would do. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, a really good win and much needed win uh, for Jake LaBelle. Uh, and yeah, for Welling, interesting one really because um, it reading the uh, between the lines and speaking to some of the fans, it looks as if the writing was on the wall for Danny Bloor before this game and they'd made the decision beforehand. Um, goals from Kamara and uh, a, a, ni- a 96-minute goal from Alamanji, which was a good job because Hemel managed to pull one back just two minutes later through George Williams. Um, speaking to one of the world's uh, Welling fans, it looks as if uh, former Chelmsford manager Rod Stringer is going to get the uh, job at Welling. He's, per all accounts, been in the stand for the last three games and he is going to take over from Danny Bloor, which I think is a what a decision they may look uh, and regret uh, in the future. Um, but I actually think Danny Blue's done quite a good job uh, there. But uh, yeah, much needed three points for them. Yeah, and uh, Dickie, Danny Blue, uh, been in the game a long time and very well respected, um, you know, not, uh, not just by uh, supporters in football, but by some of the other managers too, right? Yeah, that's right. I'd spotted uh, a post on social media from uh, my friend Scott Davis who said, when I took the job at Slough, I didn't know Danny to speak to, but his words to me were, take my number. As a young manager, I want to help you. And we've spoken twice a week since. The man is an absolute diamond, a heart of gold. So I'm gutted to read this. And, you know, that is a... Uh, it speaks a lot for, for Danny Bloor that he would take the time um, out to do that, to help somebody along. And, um, uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, it, I, I suppose with any... Managerial dismissal, I suppose the proof is, you know, what happens next, isn't it? That's how you determine whether it's uh, the right move or not. And the point I would add on that, Rob, is um, obviously there's now two vacant jobs in the National League South in Dartford and St Albans. And uh, you wonder whether, uh, given what he did at Eastbourne, whether Danny Blue would be in the running for one of those. Absolutely. Well, a couple of games still to cover, aren't there? Three, I think. Dartford themselves took on Weymouth. Uh, Truro uh, lost 2-1 at home to Braintree Town. And Western Supermare, uh, in a mid-table battle, beat Tunbridge Angels by three goals to one. But uh, I think you had a a thought on the uh, Dartford-Weymouth game as well, Joe. Yeah, um, they've really picked up of late. Uh, Bobby Wilkinson, he's been really smart in making a, a couple of really good additions to their team. Um, and they've improved defensively and been better uh, going forward. Um, goal from Joe Cook uh, in that one, obviously. Um, Ross McNeely spoke that he had a couple of uh, loanies out in the south, and actually two of them scored yesterday, Archie Proctor scoring for Eastbourne. Um, so, uh, yeah, really good uh, win for Weymouth on the road. Um, and, you know, likewise with, uh, with Braintree as well. Good stuff. That wraps up our review of uh, the weekend's action in the National League. We don't have a lot of time left, but uh, we do always have a quick look forward. I'm going to start us off 
briefly, just two games in the National League midweek. Solihull Moors take on Dagenham and Redbridge. Both sides will be looking to respond in that one. And uh, I'll be at Grosvenor Vale for Wealdstone against Aldershot Town, uh, both of which you won at the weekend. Uh, Dickie, just coming to you, National League North, have we got much in the way of action this midweek? We have. We've got the biggest one, really. Scunthorpe versus Tamworth on Tuesday evening has to be. Um, it'd be the biggest game if it fell on the weekend. Um, it, it's a very, very quick rearrangement of that game, which was only postponed last Saturday. Uh, so be interested to see how many Tamworth fans have actually been able to arrange the time off to get there. Uh, but yeah, elsewhere, we've got Banbury against Darlington, surely against Alfreton, and Hereford uh, hosting South Shields. That's a long old journey on a Tuesday night. Absolutely. And very quickly from you, Joe, National League South, what's happening? Uh, yeah, two games. Uh, the main one of those would be uh, Yeovil taking on Slough. So maybe I'd get to, to that one as well. Great stuff. Have a good footballing week yourselves, chaps. Thanks for joining us as ever. And thanks to our guest earlier, Ross McNeely. Uh, subscribe to this podcast on your favourite platform if you can. And it will be delivered to your inbox just as soon as our editor, Luke, has completed the job. Play the theme tune, Luke.